Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again with another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, we've got our defensive line preview tonight. Probably won't be the uh, longest one of these that we do, but uh, we'll get in, hit some of the high points, and hopefully give people a pretty good idea as to what they might see from the uh, front end of the defense this year. So as always, want to thank our friends at Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. For us, it's been one great partner and I uh, want to thank them as always and remind you that they are uh, integral in allowing the Noel cast to uh, take place. And with that, Bud, let's uh, let's jump right into this defensive line preview. Let's do this, man. And look, we, we've spoken about some other positions. We already talked about the back end of the defense, which I, I think we feel pretty good about. We'll obviously get to our, our confidence rating at the end of the show. But uh, I, I got to tell you up front, if this defense, this overall defense is going to be better than it was last year, and, and that is not something that I believe is an automatic. It's going to have to be because this defensive line dominates. They, they've recruited the position extremely well in, in previous years. You do have a, a decent amount of talent returning, and uh, this, this has got to be one of the best units on the team if this team is going to reach its sort of upper bounds of its projection, the 9-3, the, the and 10-2 and two folks. If, if you all are going to be right, uh, especially you 11-1ers out there, this defense is really going to have to, to eat with this defensive line. Um, and, and it'll do that maybe in part thanks to new coaching. Uh, Mark Snyder comes down to defensive ends and uh, for Michigan State. And Odell Higgins uh, returns as defensive tackles coach for what seems like the 30th consecutive year. Just just an absolute mainstay at Florida State and also undefeated as a head coach, I might add. Yes, yes, that is a very nice nice record to have uh, in the back of your pocket there. So, um I guess before we get into the uh, individuals, why don't we just get into more of the overall uh, idea as to what's expected of them and kind of a little bit of a uh, alteration in, in what we've seen from their uh, their scheme as far as uh, how they try to uh, – how, how what necessarily is asked of particular players. Uh, particularly, we might see a little bit more uh, one-gap play. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, so – Mark Snyder comes down from Michigan State. They are running that Michigan State defense. It is a uh, high-risk, high-reward defense. Uh, up front, it is a lot more one-gap instead of two-gap. What does that mean? Typically, it means you are, are in charge of controlling one gap, right? You are shooting that gap. Oftentimes, you're trying to get penetration. You are trying to get disruption. Well, that sounds great. Why, why don't we do that all the time? Well, other defenses disagree. They, they say, hey, we need to play more, more two-gap. We need to be more of a gap control defense. It's less about tackles for loss. It's more about you know, stopping people for zero or one and not allowing any big plays. As we discussed in prior episodes, this defense is okay with allowing big plays. You're trying to play complimentary football. You're playing a very up-tempo, explosive style of offense. The last thing you want happening is teams going on 10 and 12 play drives with you. One of the ways to end those uh, is is to get in the backfield, get tackles for loss, dis- you know, disruptive plays. And so that's what they'll ask of, of their defensive players to do up front more often this year. That's not every single play. That's not every single guy on every single play. Uh, now, one spot, Ingram, look, we, we've had a lot of this stuff. Hey, every single position got an upgraded coaching, according to the fans. And, and we, we both know that's not true, right? Not everybody on the last staff was terrible, or at least not during their entire tenure. However, I do believe at certain positions, the upgrading coaching is absolutely clear. And one of the positions, in my belief, is defensive end. I think these guys have been reinvigorated. I think they're being taught better techniques. And I think that their coach is a lot more engaged, Mark Snyder, than the last guy was. 
during the finals during that guy's final season. I'm not saying he wasn't ever engaged, but last year it was pretty clear his message was not getting through like it needed to. Um, you know, and there was a lot of a lot of GA and and uh, you know other people helping him out, coach there as well last year. So I, I think that is something that is going to be noticeable. I do believe the defensive ends will be better coached this season. Odell Higgins, I've always thought, does a good job coaching defensive tackles and has sent numerous guys to the league. So um, it's going to be more aggressive up front. How, how do you do that? Well, you got to have you got to have great technique. Um, you got to be explosive off the ball. You got to you got to pay attention to the finer details, and uh, and you got to have that aggressive mindset. So, uh, with that, we should probably get into to who they lost off, off this unit. Not to take us backwards, uh, but I will I will comment on the coaching aspect of that. Uh, and this is something we've touched on a, a long time ago. Uh, my personal opinion is that Brad Longs one of the better defensive end coaches in the country. Uh, not the best, but he he's one of the better ones. And when he's uh, when he's engaged, he's pretty good about teaching technique and uh he's certainly been fortunate to coach some absolute freaks uh but at the same time I think he's pretty good at turning a above average player into a good one uh but that of all the coaches where it went south as far as the interpersonal relationships on the staff last year uh that was really the first one that went south and it might have gone the most south of any of them uh, that you, you guys know what I'm saying I might not have uh, put that perfectly together but uh uh, Long and Fisher were not uh, were not uh, one to hide their feelings at all, and that relationship ended uh, pretty quickly. And the and the coaching uh, that took place pretty much stopped. So uh, I certainly agree with the engagement part of that. Uh, Snyder's just energy personified when you look at him, uh, and I expect to see a, a higher level of play accordingly. But uh, I don't know that you necessarily upgraded coaches. I'm not knocking Snyder's coaching ability, but I think you certainly will see uh, leaps and bounds of a more involved coach and and a guy that ultimately will get more out of his players because of it. Absolutely, man. So on the edge, they lose Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat, to me, was a, a good college football player. He was never really a dominant college football player. Um, some people think he was miscast in the role that he was used last year. Certainly, I think Eagles fans will tell you that, and, and they feel like they got a really good player. Uh, who's being asked to attack more at the next level, uh, and maybe he's you know feeling a little more free now that he made it to the league, not uh, not you know having doubts because of the knee and and the devastating knee injury that he had. Um, you know, to me, he was never a player with great get off. I thought he had great great closing speed and great open field pursuit ability, but uh, was not always the first guy off the football. But nevertheless, he was a good player. Um, He's not the guy on this defense that I think they're really going to miss the most, though. Right? They're, to me, there are two guys on this defense who I do not believe you are going to be able to replace this year. The first is Derwin James, who we, to- who we spoke about in the defensive back preview. And the second is Derek Naughty. And I know people are like, Naughty, he was good, but he wasn't special. No, no, look. For what they asked him to do, Naughty was pretty special. Uh, I, I was spoke- speaking with, with, with Cole Kublik the other day. He played offensive line for Auburn and, and does a lot of film study stuff. For ESPN, and, and he told me he, he believed that Naughty was the number one nose guard in the Mid America last year. That's not something you just can easily replace. Now we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the D tackle section, but I just want to. This is not just a plug and play thing. Derek Naughty was a really good college football player, and it's, it's it's depressing how little they got out of him as far as overall defensive output because he would consistently play hard 
would consistently clog up the middle and, and was a great asset to that defense. And I think he's going to be a good NFL player uh, as well. And then you lose Jalen Wilkerson, who decided to go pro early for uh, for you know, his own personal reasons, and I, I can't blame him uh, for those. Yeah, no, Naughty was uh, Naughty was just a a guy that absolutely absorbed one or two people on nearly every play. Uh, rarely gave any ground, if at all, and uh, just played played at a was one of the few bright spots consistently throughout all of last year, and certainly a guy that you you hope has as a you know, as fruitful a career on Sundays as possible. A, a great guy in the locker room and a guy who deserves everything that ultimately will uh, hopefully come to him. Um, well, why don't we why don't we go ahead and, and start there with uh, not necessarily his replacement, but uh, the individual that will be taxed with uh, with trying to play at a, a level that's somewhat uh, representative of what you got out of Naughty and a name that Florida State fans will be well familiar with as he started a, a significant amount of games so far. Uh, Demarcus Christmas. Sure, yeah. Let's let's start with the tackles in, um, if if you want to. Demarcus Christmas. This is his last go round. Uh, he, he obviously has been a, a good player for for Florida State. I think he's a guy with, with better penetrating ability than than, than Derek had. Um, not quite as stout. I wouldn't say he's quite as consistent, but he's probably your top defensive tackle uh, this year. He's a guy that you're going to ask to play what. Five six hundred snaps for you, if, if if possible. I mean, he he's probably going to be your snap leader if he stays healthy on on defense. Um, he's a player that who I've I've looked to see better hand improvement from this year, and I think that's something that will come just as he as he's healthy and, and he works on the finer points of his game. Uh, and I, he's a guy that I am excited to see turn loose. Right in the last defense, those guys had a lot of responsibilities. A lot of times they played him pretty well. Uh, I I don't, I don't really think that. Necessarily, the D line is a spot that was always overcomplicated, or at least not the D tackle spot. The D ends, we I mean, we can probably have some have some uh, discussion about that. But look, I, I think Christmas is going to be a, a, a really good player. I I don't know that there's there's this idea that he's going to take this massive leap, right, and then he's going to become like a, an All American or a first round draft pick. And I I just I don't know. Maybe he does, but I. What have we seen that indicates that that's coming or, or that, that that should be expected? I, I see a lot of the fan uh, questions that we get that are sort of, well, hey, you know, Christmas should be an All-American this year. I'm like, should he? Is he, is he that good or is he just merely a, a, a good college football player, or maybe a very good one? I, I don't know that he's an All-American type kid. Certainly he's, he's flashed at times. And if you go back and watch that uh, Alabama game, he, he may be one of the more impressive players on the field uh, at times. He uh, – wasn't it Christmas who had like the 66-yard, uh, not 66-yard tackle, but where he, didn't he chase uh, Jackson down last year, like 60 or 65 yards away from the line of scrimmage? Uh, just had a fantastic effort play. Uh, I agree with you. I don't, uh, you know, it, I don't think you can just plug Christmas into a level where he's a, you know, second or third team All-American, but I, I do think that he's, uh, he still has some, some upside and some development to show. And if he can be a little bit more consistent, uh, he's, he certainly has had some, some flashes. So uh, interesting to see how he plays with uh, as many snaps as he, he'll get. And uh, he'll, you know, he'll go a, a decent, decent way in determining ultimately how successful this group is. No doubt. Now, the guy who I feel like is the wild card in this, and, and I don't want to say wild card like you get nothing from him or you get everything from him, but uh, – 
if this defense is going to go from good to great, the guy who I really think has to be the, the true difference maker is not DeMarcus. I think DeMarcus needs to be sort of your steady force, your steady, hey, this guy's you know on like an 8 to 10 scale. Maybe this guy like, plays it like an 8 every, every week. The guy who I think has the ability to crank it up to 10 is Marvin Wilson, right? He's almost cer- certainly going to be a three-year player for you, uh, assuming that you know he stays healthy. He is coming off the knee injury in spring, but he's a sophomore this year. Uh, you know, ha- had some flashes last year at times. And look, obviously his recovery from his knee has been slow. We're recording this uh, on what Thursday night, um, th- the Thursday before camp ends, and uh, and so, so he's not taken uh, like like full contact team stuff yet. And so there's a chance that he is slowed earlier in the early in the year. In fact, I wouldn't expect him to be 100 percent dominant come the Virginia Tech game. But maybe back two-thirds of the season, maybe at that point, a guy with, with, with that kind of size, I mean, you know, if you're 6'3 and, and 330 and can move like, like we know he can move, he, he has the ability to be a real difference maker for this unit in a way that I don't think anybody else on, the, on this defense really can. And so they need him. And he may not be, you know, a 700 snap guy, but he could be a, a really effective – I don't know, 500 snap guy that, that, that could really help. Be interesting to see certainly the opportunities there for him to, uh, to make the most and, and really kind of assert himself. And um, he's a guy that is as highly, you know, highly regarded at a high school as it can be uh, a big recruiting win, uh, kind of the, the last real high watermark of, uh, of Jimbo Fisher on the recruiting trail. Well, he and Cam, I need to give him credit for that as well. Uh, but Nonetheless, a guy that you've uh, you had to fight like hell to win his signature, and as you mentioned, you probably don't have a, a real long shelf life with him either. So, uh, got to try to get as as much as you can and you know edge him along in his progression. And uh, I agree with you; he is if there is a a potential superstar on on the inside or a guy who has a chance to have a season like that, it is uh, probably Wilson. So, from a guy who. Uh, has the potential to maybe be a superstar and was highly recruited as possible at the position. We'll move to a, a guy, many, myself included, were, were pretty skeptical as to why he was getting a scholarship and, and maybe uh, a little bit a little bit skeptical that it might have to do more with his, his uncle and his father and his last name than his play on the field. And he has proved absolutely everybody wrong and has ended up having a really productive career. No doubt, man. Fred Jones... I, I was very wrong about Fred Jones, and all the other scouts I know were too. And I, I think if you gave him truth serum, I don't think Florida State staff thought, thought they were going to get this kind of performance out of Fred Jones. But I tell you what, Fred Jones is is a good football player. He's not special. He's not like a oh, this guy's going to be a, a high draft pick type thing, or if he gets drafted at all. But as a college football player. He's really good at, at doing his job. He doesn't freelance. He plays with really good technique. He plays with good leverage, and he has just enough athleticism uh, to, to be a bit of a pest and, and, and to be a, a nice complimentary piece. Uh, and maybe as a senior, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, obviously, he's never been a starter. If Marvin Wilson is healthy, then he won't be a starter. But he's another guy. Can he be a 20 or 30 snap a game guy for you? Maybe so, especially early in the year. If, if Wilson's still being worked back into shape, as, as I anticipate uh, that he will be. Um, look, this is a guy that I think every defensive coordinator in the country would, would like to have on their defense as, as a reserve piece. Not necessarily as a starter, 
but but as a, a good backup piece, and I, I think that's important to have. Um, Ingram, you know what else is important to have? Your tickets to maybe a, a Labor Day outing, or a, a day before Labor Day, rather, Sunday. Damn, you're good, man. This is... We, we did not plan this at all, and Ingram just hit that out of the park. That, that's, that's synergy, man. That's, that's, that's working together for like, like a decade now. The Sunday before kickoff, 2-4, to four, I'm going to be at Madison Social, Township, and Central. We are doing the Nolcast Bar Crawl. 20 bucks. Go to madisonsocial.com slash gameday-bar-crawl. That's madisonsocial.com slash gameday-bar-crawl. We do have some tickets left for this. It's going to be awesome. With your ticket, what do you get? You get a punting is bunting Nolcast koozie, limited edition. You also get your proof Madison Social at Madison Social, a proof Mango Wit at Central, and this is really cool. Your proof Warpath IPA with a special Nolcast treatment at Township. Uh, that's going to be pretty cool, man. I, I can't wait to do this. Check in is from two to four. The actual crawl will be like four to seven ish. Afterwards, we'll get to watch Miami and and LSU play. Uh, if you were there for the for the spring game and you were there for a spring game event, I, I think that was a blast. And we got almost you know just nothing but good feedback from that. This is going to be even better. And I, I can't wait to see all of you all there. And we thank Madison Social and the For the Table Restaurant Group for sponsoring this event. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing all you guys there. The spring game was a, really one of the highlights of, uh, of doing this podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed it and hope to be able to uh, spend Sunday afternoon and a bit of Sunday evening with uh, anybody that can make it. Uh, Bud, with that, let's uh, jump back into uh, the defensive tackles and uh, look at two, uh, two kids here that are kind of from the Gainesville area that Florida State signed and uh, really took advantage of a not – such a great uh, recruiting class or recruiting class as far as the the defensive tackles in the state that year and and in retrospect that looks kind of even to be a bigger deal the more we uh the more we move away from from that signing uh that signing class that's right man we we, we talked about, about the three guys they signed that year but but cory durden uh appears to be the the number four d tackle so far running in camp and, and i think if you project it out to the season uh it would likely be as well Durden has reshaped his body. He's in a lot better physical condition than he was last year. He's always had good height and length. He's probably 6'4", 6'4 and a half. Uh, has always had, I think, pretty good athleticism and quickness. A lot of it has been bend, leverage, and technique. Can, you know, he's a tall guy. Can he play lower? Early on in, in fall camp, we've seen a little bit better signs of that. Can he play with better technique? Again, improvement there as well. Nice job, Odell Higgins, get it, getting him to improve, and, and, and that's called coaching. That's what you want to see. You want to see that development in your in your football players. Uh, I think early on especially, he's going to be counted on to, to play play a good number of snaps for you and, and, and be a penetrator and maybe a disruptive force, particularly on, on passing downs. Uh, and, Ingram, that's important because you do have some guys in this defense who so far have not been healthy in camp and, and uh, are, are being brought along you know, rather slowly. Cedric Wood has not practiced. He, he's been out with an injury. Jalen Parks has been out with an injury for for a good part of fall camp as well, uh, and then Robert Cooper, your your very uh, highly acclaimed defensive tackle, showed up at 378 pounds. So that's going to be an issue. Look, everybody everybody likes all, all the, the the camp clips of him dominating physically, but nobody posts the clips out there of, of him sucking wind and and when they're doing the high knees drills, not even be able to pick his feet up off the ground. 
Robert Cooper is not going to be able to give you very many meaningful snaps until he gets in shape. I'm not saying they can't ha- that can't happen in 2018. What I'm saying is, as somebody who's actually been out at camp and, and watched this stuff, he's not a guy that can go more than a couple plays in a row w- without needing a serious breather. He's not a guy right now who you can trust to play a full series for you. Because what happens if, if the offense gets a couple first downs out there and, he, and he's out there on play eight and play nine? Then he's toast. But if he keeps working on it, and this is kind of a cool idea, by the way, with, with the redshirt rule, the, the new thing you can play four games and still keep your redshirt. Uh, he might be a guy second half of the season, maybe maybe final third of the season, who you could see come in and, and perhaps make an impact for you in, in certain ways particularly on, on rundowns or maybe goal line packages, if he can get his, his weight down. And, and obviously he's been working hard in camp. It's just, you know, he came in uh, came in that heavy. Uh, that, that's just, that's not something that they can work with immediately. It'd be really interesting to see how that, uh, how that rule plays itself out. Cause it, it almost lets you, it almost lets you, you know, use those kids as, as almost like a selective band aid at times. If you have a, uh, short-term concentration of injuries or, or how that will uh, exactly play itself out, how coaches decide to use it. That'll be uh, that'll be one of the things that I kind of look forward to uh, evaluating over kind of a two- to three-year window to see how that, how that impacts the college game and not really a, a broader conversation that we want to jump down uh, that rabbit hole tonight, but just something that when you mentioned it, I'm, I'm constantly kind of thinking of in the back of my head. It's, uh, it's going to be I don't want to say revolutionary. It's it's not that big of a deal, but it certainly will will change the way the first year on campus is approached for a lot of different kids. Absolutely. Uh, DNs? DNs, man. Um, why don't we go ahead and we'll start with Burns and, and work our way through as, as we kind of did with the tackles there. Uh, we've talked a lot about Brian Burns. One of the largest storylines from camp is – how good he's played and, and kind of what the interpretation has to mean or, or how individual parties want to try to interpret that news. Uh, you know, Burns is a is a guy that's kind of tailor-made for a lot of the ways that you evaluate kids uh, before you put pads on or, or how things break out in the beginning periods of, uh, of camp. But uh, it'll be really interesting. Had a fantastic freshman year. I don't know that it's fair to say he had like a – a sophomore slump, but he went a lot of games missing. He was maybe the best player on the field in the Clemson game at the same time. So uh, he seemed to either be a a little bit of a disappearing character or a guy when he, you know, fully was challenged was, was one of the better athletes on, on the field. So I think the, uh, the real key this year is consistency and see how he's uh, able to elevate his game. He's become one of the team leaders, a guy that is a uh, very well featured to, to have a, a breakout year and, if any of those highly sought after records that you started this conversation with, as far as ten and two or eleven one, are possible, I think it means that uh, you have one of the better defensive ends in in the country on your roster, and and in all likelihood that would be Burns. Absolutely, dude. Look, he is he he has the potential to be, have a very special year in this defense. I think they know what they have in him. Just just how quick he is off the ball, how explosive. I think this year he's going to do a better job of, of, of converting speed to power, of playing with leverage, of, of having a pass rush plan, and of having actual counters to, to his speed rush. Last year, too often when he was turned loose, all he had was the speed rush. This year, I believe he's going to have more of a plan. I know he's been working really hard. He does legitimately look bigger. He's always going to be kind of on the skinnier side, but uh, he has added some good weight. 
as well. And I expect a big-time year from Brian Burns. I think that he is a guy, if you are an opposing offensive coordinator, you have absolutely got to identify, all right, where's 99? Where's Brian Burns? What is our plan on each passing play on how to stop Brian Burns? And then on some of these run plays, by the way, and I'm saying this because I've seen it in camp, he actually, I think, has the ability to to rush the mesh point. And by mesh point, for those of you all out there who don't know what I mean here, uh, it, which is where the quarterback hands the ball to the running back. And especially on some of these RPOs and on some of these zone reads, the, the mesh point is sort of an elongated process. It takes a little bit longer to get the ball handed off, right, because you, you, you stick it in his belly, the, the running backs, and you decide to, to pull it out or, or, or to leave it in, basically, um, based on your read of the defense. Burns kind of has the ability to get there really quick and screw some of that up and and make some of those quarterbacks kind of think twice about that stuff and make them a little antsy and, and force force some mistakes on their end. I, I think he's going to have a big sack here. I, I really do. I think Florida State's going to be playing with the lead uh, a decent amount of the time as well, which is great. And with this defense, I, I think they're going to get teams in third and long a, a decent bit, probably. Uh, simply because of, of the amount of incompletes and 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 you know maybe zero or negative yardage plays they'll be able to force on early downs and that's really when Burns is going to be turned loose. Obviously, the negative is going to be uh, be, be the run defense. Is he, is he able to hold up in the run game? Is Florida State able to adequately scheme around uh, Burns? You know he, he's he's a lightweight guy. Uh, can, can they scheme around him and and keep him free and not have him get engulfed uh, by by an offensive tackle? in a phone booth. That, that's a matchup he's not going to win too often. And I, th- I think because of how, how premier a player of which he has the potential to be, I, I think they're going to really do a good job of scheming him open uh, as much as they can. Look, a guy, uh, like we talked about, a, a guy that has the potential to compete for postseason awards and uh, a guy that you know may go as far as anybody, as far as dictating exactly how uh, how high the ceiling is when it comes to this defense. But a guy that uh, last year kind of emerged again, one of the few bright spots in uh, in some of the more uh, pathetic, drawn out period of play that we've seen from Florida State in too long of a time. But uh, one guy that you know might might give you some slight optimism at times last year was uh, the development of Joshua Kando and how he was emerging and really kind of appearing to be more comfortable in his body, more comfortable uh, playing at this level of football. Certainly has been slowed by an injury that they've been a little bit, a uh, little bit of ambiguity has existed in exactly what's wrong with Kane Doe. But a guy that, uh, if Florida State's going to be as good as they can be, a guy that you're going to need to have a, a strong sophomore season out of. Yeah, there's no doubt. Look, him and Marvin Wilson are the two guys who have the highest ceilings on this defensive line, and it is absolutely discouraging that they've been injured and, and have not been taking full contact so far in fall camp. Uh, that doesn't mean they can't have excellent years. Uh, I do have a little bit of pause with Kendo reaching his potential this season simply because you know he, he did miss uh, spring, and then obviously he's missed basically all of fall camp in terms of the, of the full contact and periods and the team stuff. He's being worked back very slowly. Now, I do believe he will have an impact this year, uh, but I don't think that he's going to have a superstar year. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong, but but if I had to project simply because of how much time he's missed with the injury and, and the injury, he doesn't want to disclose publicly what that is, but apparently something that was bothering him for a while and, and he got it fixed or cleaned out or or whatever that was. Um, 
I still think he can have a very strong year on the field. His ability to come back and make a big-time impact, though, is going to be based on on how quickly he gets back to taking full contact and and just how much rust he has. We know he's going to have some rust, certainly, but is he is he way rusty or or is he just just a little bit of rust? You got to knock off it and, and then he's back ready to go. If there's an encouraging thing about this, I think it's that because he's playing the same side as Burns so far, at, at least in camp, uh, that's a position where I do believe he can just be turned loose a little bit more and. From a rusty in terms of taking contact, pushing people around standpoint, that won't solve that. But from a scheme standpoint, in terms of how much scheme does he have to absorb, Kano's a really smart guy. I think he's a, he's a hard worker and, and is definitely a player uh, who will pick it up quickly. And I think that's a, a position that is fairly easy to pick up in terms of scheme. And so I do still have high hopes for him. I just, if this defense is going to be a dominant defense, which I'm not projecting, they need their five stars to, to play like five stars this year. And so far, you know, you look at their five stars on defense and, uh, you know, like we, we spoke about with with, uh, with Stanford Samuels, the third you know, injury, he may miss some time. We'll see. Uh, obviously, Marvin Wilson, not 100% yet. Josh Kando, not 100% and back to contact yet. Those are not super encouraging signs for me, but yet I, I still think there's potential just because of how much talent those guys have for them to have really nice years. All right, bud. We'll move on to uh, Janarius Robinson. I mean, a guy that, uh, again, was a, another pretty large uh, recruiting win for the for the last staff and uh, a guy that uh, has always been kind of like the first guy you want getting off the bus. I'd say probably he and Keith Gavin are maybe the two most like just physically impressive specimens on the team. Uh, a guy that uh, has been kind of slow to get a whole lot of meaningful snaps, but there seems to be, whether it's uh, forced or not, there seems to be a little bit of a, an optimistic uh, an optimistic feeling around the development of Robinson and, and maybe the fact that he's merged to, uh, to make good on, on some of that physical talent. Probably the guy who has most benefited from the coaching change on the D-line is Janarius. Just having a new set of eyes look at him and say, whoa, this guy's got some ability. How do I get through to him where, where maybe the, the last guy didn't, right? Uh, there's no doubt that Janarius has has really taken to the coaching and has has improved and embraced it, has worked hard. I, I think he's given him good reps. Is he the most polished, most refined guy right now? No, he's not. But I still think he has the ability to be a good football player for them this year. They're going to need him too. Like, like they're, they're going to play a lot of snaps on offense well, that means their defense is going to have to play some snaps. And I do like their depth along the defensive line. It's one of the reasons why I do think this team is going to have a good season. Janarius is a strong guy when he plays low. Playing too high has been an issue for him at times. You know, He also doesn't does not necessarily have a great pass rush plan yet. He's just kind of making up as he goes along. It seems he needs to have a greater diversity of moves. But I'm just encouraging that – I'm just encouraged that he – he doesn't look like a chicken with his head cut off out there now. He looks like he's a guy that has some idea of what he's doing, and, and he's finally able to put that great ability uh, to use some. I think his really nice year would more li- more than likely come in 2019, but he is going to be a, a key player on the defensive line immediately. We'll uh, round things out at the defensive end position with uh, Waliame and uh, a guy that moved over from – from inside, uh, a guy who's kind of a little bit reshaped his body, just uh, shed some weight, a little bit of a leaner look, but uh, 
man, I could see I could see almost anything being possible for uh, for Wally Ames. There's kind of flashes of brilliance. There's there's some moments where if you go back and look at his highlight tape, he might. In my opinion, he might have some of the quicker hands on the team. He, he's pretty uh, powerful with how he can shed blocks. There's times where I think he's kind of uh, standing on the edge of becoming a, a a really meaningful college football player. And then there's times where he kind of gets blocked a little too easily and is not uh, not necessarily consistent with what you've seen out of him. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what he makes of his time on the outside of the defense, a guy that I uh, am personally am – uh, fond of and impressed with the route that he took to get to Florida State, and um, certainly hope that he he has a uh, has a good season. A guy that's uh, always had a positive attitude, according to those that I've talked with uh, on the staff, and and seems to uh, want to make the the most of the opportunity he has. Yeah, I mean, there's the, look. I, I think there's a really nice nice story here. A guy who came in, worked hard, and and saw the opportunity for playing time. Like you said. It's great to talk about attacking defense, right? Everybody's going everybody's to one gap and all this stuff. But there is an important need somewhat for setting the edge still. And and Wally and Janarius playing that more boundary end, I believe, are, are going to be the guys tasked with doing that, whereas Burns and Kando are probably going to be your more premier pass rushers. This is still a very important role because Florida State's linebackers are not good. They're, they're just not. Like, like the best case for them might be average this year. And I'm, I'm being kind. All right. I love that that seems to rear its head in seemingly every position preview we do, but it's, it's the truth. Man, every time I talk to somebody over there, like they, they say stuff that I can't say on the air. So they're going to need their D-line to really cause a lot of havoc up front and, and keep, keep, the, uh, the, the, keep the offensive line off these linebackers and um, maybe do some prayer and, uh, and, and really cause a lot of havoc and, and get, get to those ball carriers and get to the quarterback before they can do that damage at the second level. But but I think Wally's a kid who could actually help you a lot in that area by setting the edge and, and allowing the backers to flow over the top. Uh, so I, I, I even if he doesn't post big-time sack numbers, I, I do believe he'll be an important piece of the defense. And there's there's probably one other guy we should discuss at, uh, at the end. But first, we should talk about our second sponsor, Resolution Home Loans. That's right. Resolution Home Loans has returned for another season of sponsorship with us. You know Chad and Shannon, they've been with us for a while now. They do a great job. They want to customize your loan plan for you to get you in the right loan for when you're ready to buy a house, be ready to strike. With their Almost Home program, they're going to close you really fast and keep you informed every step of the way. How do you get in contact with them? Like eight of our listeners already have. That's pretty cool. Eight listeners in eight months with loans. That's delivering results right there. We've had nothing but great feedback w- with these guys. And if you get a loan with them, we send you a T-shirt. So, obviously, loan is a bigger deal than T-shirt, but T-shirt's nice to have, too. Uh, so, 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Or go to nolcast.com slash loan. That's nolcast.com slash loan, and it'll direct you right to them. All right, bud. Thanks, as always, to our friends at uh, Resolution. We have uh, one more defensive end, and then uh, we'll spend a, a second – talking about a kid that can play really almost any of the the four positions on the defensive line, but a guy that uh, we've received some positive news as far as his involvement with the program in 2018. Uh, one of the, one of the larger pieces uh, that Willie was able to secure in the 2018 class, uh, Xavier Peters. Xavier Peters is a guy who I think is actually going to play for them a decent bit this year. Uh, came in, 
Was he going to qualify? Was he not going to qualify? A lot of people thought Florida State was kind of dumb for taking this kid because they didn't think he was going to qualify. But guess what? He qualified. And uh, he has real explosive ability, great natural strength. I, I think he's going to be an impact player for them, not in terms of, of playing a whole lot of snaps, but in terms of, of when he is on the field, I think he can make a difference in terms of, of pass rushing and, and being a disruptive force. So I'm very excited to see what, what he can do as a true freshman. Uh, you know, Obviously, a kid, uh, if, if you've seen him, you, you know. I mean, he's probably 6, I don't know, 6'3", 240-ish, good burst. Great natural strength for, for his size. A really strong kid. Um, and, and I'm very excited to see what he can do for them. Uh, finally, uh, Dennis Briggs is the prospect that I've referenced that you could see deployed almost anywhere along the defensive line. Dennis Briggs, right. Uh, guy that Florida, another guy at Florida State beat out Miami for. Kind of a good trend there. You, you definitely want to beat out the Canes for, for impact defensive linemen and keep that trend going. Uh, Briggs is a guy with good versatility. He's probably 275-ish. I know he can play some inside. He can definitely play some outside. Uh, he'll be playing that boundary end position. I think he's probably your number three-ish uh, boundary end behind, behind uh, Wally and, and, and Janarius there on that side. Good natural strength. Very hard worker. I think he's a smart player. Going to learn quickly. Odell Higgins is going to teach him well, as will uh, Mark Snyder. And look, man, they they do need some freshmen to play for them this year on the defensive side of the football. And I, I think Peters and Briggs are, are probably the two I would project to get the most playing time um, if I could project him. Obviously, with, with with the very important asterisk, if Robert Cooper gets in shape, then he might end up playing a good bit. So uh, you mentioned that uh, Briggs was another prospect that uh, they ultimately beat Miami out uh Reminded me of a, another guy that we jumped over at the defensive tackle prospect uh, or defensive tackle position. I don't mean to uh, shortchange my friends from uh, Rome, Georgia there. Let's uh, give give Jamarcus Chapman just a, a, a second, a, a preview. Not necessarily a guy you'll see a ton of this year, but kind of where he may uh, fit into the program down the road. Sure. So I think he's another player with good power, very good motor, smart kid, a, a hustle player. You know, he's athletic, but not freakishly so. He, he doesn't have great length. Um, I, I don't know that he has an amazing ceiling. I, again, I could be wrong about that, but I think he's a guy who could turn into a good college football player for you. Um, and the other freshman, I guess we should also mention, Ingram, is Malcolm Lamar, the, the, the kid they got from, uh, uh, from Armwood. Now, he came in extremely big, um, damn near 300 pounds, and uh, – Seeing him run drills with the DNs, he looks wildly out of place. Just not saying he's a bad player, but he doesn't look like a defensive end right now at all. Uh, he's got a good amount of bad weight he needs to lose, and I'm sure he will do that. But if he doesn't, I think there is a position for him about three feet closer to the center, and that position is defensive tackle because he looks like a DT, like a DT or maybe even offensive tackle, actually. I think he's got that offensive tackle type build to him. Uh, just seeing him run drills so far with the DNs, it's not. Uh, it, it he stands out as as look. You can't be three hundred pounds to play DN in this defense. Maybe in the old defense you could do it if it was a healthy three hundred or if it was a good three hundred, but but that is neither here nor there. So he's a guy who I think is going to spend a lot of his freshman year reshaping his body and determining his future position. Good deal, man. Uh, that's a you know it's a it's a. It's a position group that has a lot of significant talent. It's a position group that has the potential to play at an exceptionally high level. 
uh, if all the pieces work together. Uh, hopefully we've given people a decent little rundown as to what they might see. Uh, but let's go ahead and move into the uh, very popular kind of confidence poll that we uh, put out there for all of these positions. If this is the first uh, position preview you've listened to, we basically rate each position on a scale of 1 to 10 whether uh, as to whether the product in 2018 will be superior to that from 2017, 1 being the least likely, 10 being the uh, most certain. I will uh, let you lead us off tonight. Sure. So j- just to recap that, uh, for the listeners at home so we don't get these tweets misunderstanding it, uh, if it's a 10, that means like we are 100% confident that this is going to be better than last year's. If it's a 1, that means we're like really not very confident that this is going to be better than last year. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with a with a 7. Uh, now, that might be kind of low. Uh, maybe I'll regret that. But I, and this may just be recency bias from hearing things at, at, at a camp in terms of, you know, hey, man, they really need Kando and Wilson to, uh, you know, to, to get right and, and, and to get right immediately. And if those guys do, if they do, both of them, I'm going to look really foolish. If they don't, then I don't know if this is going to be a better D-line than it was last year. But I think it will be. I just don't know by how much. If those guys are healthy, though, that, that's that's really the, the X factor here. I, I do believe Burns is going to have a great year. Um, I think that they will have good interior play. But in order for me to give them like, like a 9 or a 10, I, I need to be real confident that, that Wilson and Kando are, are going to have big, big-time years. And, and I just do wonder how much those offseason injuries are going to slow them. I'm going to go with, uh, and I promise you I'm not just doing this for every position group, I'm going to go with eight and a half, pretty close to pretty closer to going to a nine than an eight. You are prices right uh, I, uh, I am. I like to <laughs> like to let you set the field and then uh, see where I can go from there. I Look, I, I if you want a, a little bit of an optimistic uh, flyer, wouldn't shock me to see Wally uh, Ame be maybe a second-team all-conference player at the end of the year. And when you consider – some of the other people out there, uh, maybe second or third team, I'll put it that way. But uh, I think he's got a chance to have a special season. Uh, I agree with you. If you can get it figured out on the inside, uh, that will help. But there's no real way to replace Derek Naughty, And I think there's going to be even a greater appreciation for the type of player he was. Uh, but I, I think this is going to be a good group, a group that's a lot more bought in, energized, and willing to take to some of the coaching they receive and um, I'm expecting expecting real good things. I think it'll be a lot of fun to see how this uh, group is ultimately deployed, and, and I think you're going to see a pretty pretty heavy rotation with the type of offense that you see. So I think uh, a lot of guys we talked about tonight are going to be pretty critical as as far as what ultimately comes out of the defense this year. All right, I'm, I'm going to change to a seven and a half simply because I forgot you could do half points. So uh, seven and a half it is for me. All right, y'all. We certainly appreciate uh, the support. I, th- I think right now one of our more recent uh, podcasts is, is, I think, the second most popular uh, podcast in in the college sports subgenre on iTunes. So uh, thank you, as always. If you get a chance to give us a review or uh, write a review or give us five stars on iTunes, it's uh, certainly appreciated. And uh, these are a lot of fun for us to do, and we look forward to uh, working our way through the through the rest of the team.